What's up, world? I'm Matt Newberg from Hungary, and this is The Feed. Each episode, we'll dive into conversations with the industry insiders who are leveraging technology to shape the way we eat. On today's episode of The Feed, I sat down with Gunpil Huang, co-founder and CEO of Anii, a hamburger automation startup based in Seoul, Korea. I was also joined by head of North American sales, Eric Hansen. In this episode, we'll talk about Anii's first principles approach to kitchen automation, how it's different from its competitors, and the current and future food service robotics landscape. This podcast is brought to you by Hungry, a media and research platform dedicated to the intersection of food and technology. For more information, please visit Hungry.tv, that's Hungry with no U, and click subscribe to join the weekly newsletter. All right, Eric and Gunpil, um, it's awesome to have you here. Really excited to dive in. Uh, I kind of want to start with Gunpil, aka GP. I'd love for you to kind of talk about your background at Keist, kind of your journey in uh, healthcare tech, and then kind of how you eventually landed on this industry of food service automation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm actually uh, glad to share my experience. And, uh, you know, I began my journey at Keist at, uh, in 2013, like co-founding a biotech startup, which is called OP Lab when I was in the, like pursuing the master's degree and we've developed a kind of a portable brain imaging system and I learned uh, how to commercialize the high-tech products in those of times. And after doing that, uh, actually I did a PhD and I focused on like uh, making some mixed signal circuits and bio-inspired uh, neural network like uh, for 3D imaging sensor for in uh, robots. And inspired by, which is actually inspired by like a bat's brains. And after like completing completing my PhD, I realized that those of AI tech I developed can be applied to the kitchen robotics. And the kitchen environment is very difficult for robots due to the you know presence of like smog, steam, and all like uh, oil mist. So like uh, I tried to use those of tech to develop those of uh, new types of robots. And also, additionally, like uh, yeah, like uh, food service industry often face uh, like staffing challenges. So like leading uh, to like overwork employees. So we've uh, rec- recognized those challenges of and opportunities. So I co-founded NER with my colleague, and uh, we've uh, saw like a significant growth through those of uh, new high tech uh, robots. Oh, very cool. And you said bat brain. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, actually, when you see the like movie or like Batman, you can see that uh, some types of a sensor can detect the uh, the three D space with the ultrasounds, and uh, actually the bat can do very well. So we actually mimic the bat's brain to detect the three D space with the ultrasounds. So and uh, in in those of like new types of, types of uh, neural network, we've actually like uh, kind of uh, locate all the locations and uh, objects in the three D space. So mm. uh, we've like tried to use that new tag into the robots, and then uh, in in the like restaurant or kitchens, it is it was really uh, meaningful because it is very have uh, a lot of oil mist steams and smoke so it is really hard and a tough environment to detect something using just a light so I, i've had the pleasure of um seeing you guys at the national restaurant association conference last year in chicago and then most recently last month uh, visiting your headquarters in seoul which was awesome i i'd love for you to kind of talk about what makes you guys different and and kind of how you kind of studied the first principles approach, which I think I really appreciate. You know, there's a lot of other startups in this space using, you know, these so-called articulated robots. These are the kinds of big, big arms that you would find at a car factory, and they're incredibly heavy, they're commoditized, and, you know, I guess you're able to get them easily. But you guys took a whole different approach. I'd love for you to just spend some time talking about uh, how you studied this problem and how you got to the solution that you eventually came up with here. 
Yeah, so when we uh, try to make our own robots uh, for the restaurants, uh, we are trying to like focus no more on the customers. So like, uh, you know, like a lot of uh, industrial robots, like uh, robotic arms are used to make uh, kind of a kitchen robots. But uh, I think we need uh, some types of a different approach to make uh, our own robots. So like a uh, restaurant kitchen, especially like backup house, is a highly complex and challenging environment. So to address the like unique uh, problems of like faced by restaurants, we've uh, realized that we need to like fully understand the kitchen operations. So our team took a proactive approach. So we underwent a training at an early stage customer's brand restaurants and working alongside the staff for the extended period. And this kind of hands-on experience allowed us to like truly immerse like ourselves in the daily working of uh, kitchens. And then at the same time, we've conducted like extensive uh, interviews across the food service industry, like from junior staff to the leadership positions in various brands. And this gave us like a deep insights into the operation and pain points with the backup files environment in the restaurants. And through this kind of a research, we've identified three critical factors of a success uh, when you try to make a robotic system in the kitchens. And first one is the maintaining a constant food quality. And second one is uh, enhancing productivity. And third one is optimizing the space efficiency because the uh, kitchen is too you know, narrow. Uh, there is no space enough to build the robots. And in, in order to like achieve these goals, uh, we decide not only you know, rely on bulky articulated arms that attempt to mimic humans. Instead, we've designed our own manipulator and a double-sided cooking mechanism. And this kind of a unique approach allows us very uh, guaranteed food quality, boost product and use the same amount of space as conventional kitchen equipments. And eventually, like we implement uh, safe robots with using some safety sensor and mechanism to ensure the safe and seamless collaboration between the uh, robots and staff members. Very cool. I mean, so yeah, if I can describe what I saw, you know, basically it's a dual, uh, it's a dual grill. Each of them I think can do something like 200 burger patties an hour. You have essentially, you know, a flat top that has space for about four very large patties. And it's almost like a salamander. It, it essentially gets lifted up into to a um, another heated surface that essentially cooks the patty from both sides to the perfect doneness and uses AI or I guess some form of AI through its camera sensors to kind of um, detect the color of that patty. And then if you want to add cheese, uh, it doesn't actually smash it from both sides. It'll like warm the, you know, melt the cheese uh, after the, you know, sir, uh, after a cook puts the cheese on um, to kind of finish it off. And it doesn't, you know, it's not a hundred percent automated. There's still some manual work to that's required, but you're able to save a lot on the labor costs. Um, because whoever's cooking the burger doesn't have to stand over it. Yeah, it's, it's more like labor intensity. So you don't have to flip the patties. You don't have to smash the patties. You, you don't have to scrape the grill. You don't have to move the patties to the warmer tray. And the griddle, it's a side-by-side -side griddle. It's also top, um, top and bottom. So it can, it can do anywhere from four to six patties on each side. So... We typically say we can do eight patties simultaneously, four on the left, four on the right, and they cook usually between 40 and 70 seconds, depending on whether they're frozen or they're fresh or, you know, the size. But we can do, um, I've seen it do almost 300 patties in an hour um, during a test. So that's kind of like the split. And then it also can do, you know, it could do four ounce patties on the right side and two ounce patties on the left side. In the, in the spatula, which is uh, powered by robotics, can be pro like we can program it so that, you know, if you have two ounce patties in it with a 40 second cook time and you have, you know, uh, four ounce patties with a 70 second cook time, every like three or four minutes, there's a crossover period and we can program it 
to make a decision, right? Because it doesn't want to, you know, it, 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 eventually you don't want to let the two two ounce patty patties burn or you know get too hot. So it'll kind of like make the, we program with logic and we'll make a decision based on that logic to to actually like think and you know move the patties so that they're all at the same temperature. Interesting. So yeah, Eric, you're you're the recently joined as the head of sales uh, for North America. Um, you have an extensive background. I just yeah, let's take a step back and talk talk to us about. Uh, I guess real briefly t- talk to us about how uh, your background at, at some of these companies like Uber and Groupon, and then kind of how you found Annie and then we'll, we can dive into kind of the pitch. Yeah. So wow, I'm old. I've been in the industry for since 2011. So I joined Groupon pre-IPO, like relatively early, and my job was to figure out how to sell Groupons to restaurants in New York City. So it was like kind of a rude awakening because I couldn't even get people in New York to answer the phone. So I started reading all these books about restaurants. Like I knew nothing about restaurants like when they hired me. They only hired me because I grew up in Connecticut and I'm like I, I knew all the neighborhoods in New York. And one of the issues that they identified was that Groupon was based in Chicago and you had all these recent college grads calling New York City and they couldn't differentiate between like Tribeca and like Queens. Like it was kind of embarrassing. So they wanted people that like knew the area. So they they hired me and then they said, by the way, Groupon is crushing it in every like city for restaurants except New York City. Like we need to know why and what we need to do to fix it. And I called... Like my first day, I think I made like 200 calls. I got hung up on every time. I almost quit like four days in. And then I started reading all these books and, you know, learning just kind of like restaurant language. And eventually the chefs or restaurateurs would at least know that I was somewhat knowledgeable about restaurants and they'd take meetings with me. So I'd say, okay, I'm going to be in New York City next week. Can I swing by? So I'd go, I'd sit down with them and then they'd tell me, all the reasons why Groupon was bad. So from there, like at the time, we were doing like 10 for 20s. So this guy would be like the GM at a steakhouse. He'd say like, look, my average bill is like $250. Like, why would I do 10 for 20 and, and give you $15, right? Or my bill, you know, I'm a Thai restaurant. My average bill is like 40 bucks. Why would I give you, you know, why would I give away $15? So what we did was my team and I just reconstructed the whole Groupon uh, like strategy, which instead of doing 10 for 20s, we did experiential meals, which would be like, a you know, uh, an appetizer, two entrees and, uh, you know, like a bottle of wine for like $79. The theoretical up to value would be like 180. So the customer would feel like, you know, the, the Groupon purchaser would feel like they're getting a really good deal. But at the same time, you know, 30% food costs, the GM of the restaurant would say like, oh, wow, like I'm covering my costs. Like this is like free marketing, right? So then we changed all of the restaurant promotions in New York City. Within a month or two, New York City had the strongest revenue in the, in the country for restaurants. And then they had me basically replicate this in every city in, in uh, North America. So I became... I kind of like ran this like team that solely focused on restaurants. And then at the end of 2017, I, I um, moved to Uber Eats actually to build, launch and scale their um, enterprise program. So I was there, I don't know, I want to say like two, two and a half years, just bringing on like some of the, I basically took my entire book from Groupon and brought it to, uh, to, to Uber Eats. So I was kind of just like waiting for the right opportunity to kind of, you know, actually go somewhere where, um, I thought I, I wholeheartedly believed in the product solution, the team and the mission and the mission at any is to make a positive impact on, you know, the, the restaurants, right? So it automates mundane, repetitive tasks for employees. And I think there's like some trickle down effects with that. So happier employees, happier customers, happier operators, owners, et cetera, um, improved, uh, efficiencies in the kitchen translates to you know better margins and you know that also helps you know in a way it helps with like all the you know the huge uptick we've seen in in delivery over the last you know seven years or so so that's kind of like 
my background and how I'm here and why I'm here today. Okay, so yeah, I've uh, I've I've seen kind of the evolution of um, restaurant robotics. I think we've seen kind of a d- different business models. Some some restaurants try to make this their entire value proposition. So the robots are just part of the kind of vertically integrated approach. We've also seen companies just straight up sell hardware, which to me makes like not a lot of business sense because you're just making margin on hardware and servicing it and kind of one and done. Uh, I'd love for you to kind of just talk about the business model um, for Antii and how you kind of came up with that. Yeah, the model's designed to be super flexible. So there's really kind of two ways that we think about this. In Korea, we have an OPEX model. So it's like we call it RAS, Restaurant as a Service. So it's a monthly fee um, that you pay for three years. And that, you know, the the pricing is kind of determined by the number of units that a brand would order. We also have an alternative option, which is more of a CapEx model. So that seems to be where the big brands are showing interest in the U.S. They'd rather place a bulk order up front and just pay everything down and then depreciate that over time. So that's kind of like one of the main differences differences we've been seeing between the U.S. and, and Korea. Some of the younger, like more, we, we are in talks with a few like, um, you know, smaller, you know, sub 20 locations that, you know, have, have expressed interest in the U.S. and in, in that, um, that subscription monthly payment model. Is there a way to, I mean, so I know that you, you can ship like software updates um, to this, to your appliance kind of over the air because uh, it is connected to Wi-Fi, if I'm not mistaken. and um, you know, there's obviously, you know, heavy AI component. Is there a way to charge some of those um, bigger chains that want the CapEx model, like an ongoing service fee? Uh, sorry, yeah. like a software, you know, yeah. SaaS fee? Yeah, so that would be, so we're working through that because we didn't, when we came here, we didn't expect that they'd want to, I mean, I kind of had a feeling that they would, it would come up at some point, but once we started, started, you know, the POCs with a couple of the brands, like the pricing came up and once they said, Hey, you know, we don't want to pay monthly. We, we want to pay this, you know, upfront. We had to say, we had to get together as a team and say, okay, like what, what, you know, we're going to have to support this, right? Cause there's either a dedicated land network and that's being overseen by our team and our engineers in Korea. So we'll need to charge like a monthly, it's a nominal fee. Like it's, it's probably going to end up being like 60 to hundred dollars a month, depending again on the units, but just for like that support fee. GP, I'd love, I'd love for you to just share what you, what you've been hearing from your current customers in Seoul. Um, you know, how many customers are you currently working with? Um, from what I understand, they're mostly franchises. So you're testing them at their corporate stores and that they're going to try to, sell them to their franchisees sometime this year. Uh, I actually had the pleasure of uh, trying Annie, Annie I um, at Bass Burger near your office, um, which is delicious. It was cooked pr- uh, thoroughly. But yeah, I would love to kind of hear what, what you, the feedback you're getting in Seoul since you, this is where you started and you're moving to North America next. Yeah, I'm really happy, uh, you know, you have a great experience in the Bass Burger. And uh, we uh, currently have uh, seven locations up and running in, in our Korea. And then we are excited to announce that our 10th deployment will take place uh, next month, like a few weeks later, including uh, one of the uh, largest burger franchises in Korea called Loteria and the Bass Burger. Like uh, Bass Burger or uh, other brands like Downtowner, they want to like expand their location up to their entire uh, restaurants. And, and eventually, for the history of our uh, installation, when we first introduced our robotic, you know, paddock cooking system to our initial customers, the staff and chefs were skeptical about the robots taking over this critical task in the kitchens. However, like once they saw our system in action and installed Alphagirl, our automatic paddock cooking robot, they were very uh, pleasantly surprised. The robot consistently like cooked the patties following the exact recipe set by the headquarters. So like additional, additionally, because the Alpha Girl handles some of the like toughest 
and most dangerous task in the kitchens, it significantly like improved the working environment of the restaurant staff. And this in turn allowed them to focus more on providing uh, excellent, you know, customer services. So like building on this like successful experience in Korea, we've recently introduced the Alpha Grill to some well-known and beloved brands in the state also, both like large and local. And these uh, U.S. customers are highly impressed with our innovative technology. And also we've received the innovation award from the NRA show, the National Restaurant Association show. And they're like uh, considering like our uh, positive customer experience globally, we are pleased to announce that uh, we've secured like uh, you know, $12 million in funding thanks to the 500 pre-order from the customers who have experienced the benefit of our robots and to like uh, to support our growing global demand starting from the Korea and then now it's in the US. We've uh, you know established our own factory like uh, for just uh, specifically like manufacturing the robots. And this will help us to efficiently like, fulfill the uh, orders and continue our expansion efforts in the, uh, you know, starting from the States and to the other country. Amazing. Congratulations on that. Um, I uh, included it in, in my newsletter last week. Exciting stuff. Uh, back to Eric, you know, looking now at kind of the U.S. market and some of the QSRs that you're in conversations with, you know, what do you think? These the, the biggest needs that these operators in particular uh, in North America have that um, maybe you're not seeing in Seoul? I, I think just across the board, they're concerned of, about like improving the lives of their team members. And like, you know, obviously, like there's a huge labor crunch right now in the US. It's even worse in Korea. But I think what we've been hearing is just how this would improve employee morale. But at the same time, you know, they're seeing that we can, you know, completely like, you know, emulate their, you know, beef patties so they can continue to deliver like an outstanding guest experience. Um, and at the same time, kind of like reduce the stress and intensity of, of you know, uh, you know, labor for employees in the kitchen. Some of them are talking about reallocating labor. So... Um, you might have a kitchen with five people. They might want to take one person, put them in the front of the house um, to focus on the guest experience. And then another thing that's come up is just, you know, using this, um, trying to find ways to kind of uh, cut costs to offset the impact of um, like, you know, the, the, uh, the just demand that they get through all the DSPs since like as you're aware, like the margins are super, super thin. Right. For people who don't know, those are uh, demand side, demand side platforms. You know, we're talking about Uber, DoorDash, uh, all the third party delivery. And, and this is a similar strategy, I believe, to what Chipotle is going to be doing with its automation uh, with Hyphen, which is, you know, fulfilling all their third party and I guess first party uh, pickup and delivery orders off premise through uh, through automation. Next thing I wanted to kind of touch on was um Kind of just culturally, um, I think, you know, Eric, you and I are both uh, recently traveled to Korea and have obviously are, have roots here in the U.S. and have seen kind of the different players. What do you think are kind of some of the biggest differences between, you know, I guess restaurants and consumers um, approach or like views on automation here versus there? I was I was actually surprised to see how much how many robotic concepts there were. And I wrote about them for the hungry blog. If you haven't read it, you can check it out on, on hungry.tv. But I went to four of these, um, including NEI, um, in a single day right after new year's. And, um, it was definitely fascinating, but love to hear kind of how you think, how you think they're differentiated between those two cultures. So I think you just have to know that like Korea has a much lower birth rate than in the U.S. So it, it literally doesn't have enough QSI, QSR, like traditionally aged people to staff restaurants. So I work like when I was 16, I worked at like Kenny Rogers Roasters. That was my first job. 
But in Korea, like they don't, you know, there's a shortage there. So automation is, is not only, it's not only a natural progression there, but it's encouraged. Like in the U.S., it's a bit different because we don't have like the, you know, such a low birth rate. And I think just the, the size and structure of the, the, the U.S. market's quite different. So we have way more brands. Um, it's, you know, we have the corporate and corporate and franchise model. It's super fragmented. Um, it's really hard to navigate the brands. They tend to move slowly. One brand can have, you know, multiple units with multiple floor plans and layouts and they could, you know, span decades, like over, you know, like we've seen, we've been taken on tours where brands have shown us five locations and two were from the sixties, one from the seventies, one from, so that can be like a challenge for us because it kind of impacts their, you know, SOPs and they're just like how they, you know, um, just the production line basically. Um, and I think just lastly, like when you think about, when you mention automation in the U S like everybody always assumes like it's, it's the elimination of jobs. Like the, the, the two almost like go hand in hand. But if you look at our alpha girl, there's really nothing super impressive about it. Like if you just look at it and, and it's not plugged in and you look at it, it looks like a grill. Like that's it. It's a grill. And it just happens to be able to perform some of the tasks like any rational human being might prefer not to do. So to be clear, like Alpha Girl is a semi-autonomous solution. It still requires an employee to load and operate it and to oversee it. So it's, 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 it's not like, you know, we're not talking about like the robot, you know, robots completely replacing jobs. Like it's our intent is to, you know, have built a solution that like helps employees. Like, so it was designed with the, you know, like GP alluded to earlier, like our engineers worked in a restaurant for a month and, and, you know, they actually tr- trained and worked. So they know what, you know, the, 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 the least interesting or, you know, most non-desirable position was, and it just happened to be like fries and hamburgers. So they built this. Right. It doesn't require babysit, you know, just like I making sure that burger patties don't get overcooked and burnt. And once it's programmed, the, the employee loads it, you know, our team works with the brand to kind of get the recipes perfect for each location. Once it's programmed, it gets installed, employee loads the hamburgers, hits the button, walks away for, I don't know, 40 to 70 seconds, whatever the time is comes back to cook during that time he or she could do anything that they want. Like they can, you know, do the fries, they can do other tasks. They can, you know, assemble the patties, right. They can put the, you know, toast the buns and put all the condiments on it. So, you know, it just, it's just like one less thing for them to do. And then after the patties are cooked, our solution cleans itself. So no one has to clean the grill. GP, do you have any thoughts on kind of the culture, you know, why there's so many robotic startups in Korea and food service um, versus the U.S. and kind of the differences in the culture? Yeah, so actually the the Korea is very uh, tech forward country. So like uh, they love new tasks in their, uh, you know, every industry. So like a lot of uh, brands in Korea, they eagerly find some new tech and robotic solution into their restaurants. That's, I think that's why a lot of, uh, you know, robotic kitchen companies are coming from the Korea. And also like, uh, yeah, like, uh, like Eric mentioned, like the, a lot of a uh, huge labor shortage in Korea makes this kind of a big trends, like coming faster in Korea. Interesting. So uh... I think this year is going to be, you know, I've said I, one of my predictions this year is this is like when we really start to see who the main automation players are going to be, um, at least here in the U.S. Um, we have Sweetgreen that's basically promised to ramp up its infinite kitchen deployments um, inside of its stores. We have Hyphen that is supposedly getting to market with Chipotle sometime this year. Um, they've been testing that at you know the Chipotle Innovation Center, and then we have um, in New York Steve L's new kernel concept um, that's supposed to launch any week now. 
Eric, I'm, I'm curious, having you know been around this space and also being in New York right now, what do you think the key factors are for success of these players and kind of what's going to determine the losers, uh, the winners and the losers here? I don't know. I mean, our solution is more kind of similar to um, probably Sweet Greens. So ours is built in like... I think Steve Ells and Chipotle kind of like outsource all of their technology. Like we're not a brand like Colonel, right? You know what I mean? Like we're, we're at the end of the day, we're like equipment sellers, but I think like winners and losers, I think like starting with a restaurant brand and working backwards, I guess that's kind of weird for Colonel and for, well, Chipotle is, it's a different company, right? So I think if they just really understand Chipotle's, you know, what, Chipotle's needs and wants are and just like co-developing a solution like within reason that addresses like real pain points and just keeping it simple and doing like just focusing on one thing and doing that thing well and executing around that one thing like we only do like we're, we, we're focused on hamburgers right we're we love robotics we love that all these other companies are doing you know like we love what Sweet Green's doing what Steve Ells is doing right but we're focused you know on hamburgers and like we don't we're not planning on deviating from that anytime soon so we want to perfect burgers and then maybe you know years on the road you do something else maybe not like i don't know like i think so i think there's merit to like just being patient i think being patient is a thing i think this is going to play out over the next like three to five years it's getting a lot of attention now so i think going slow is good GP says this all the time when we meet with brands that, that get excited and want to replace like every grill with an alpha grill. He tells them to do like one, one at a time and be very slow with rollout. And I, and I think that's the move. Like it's, it's incredible to like have GP argue against his own like <laughs> best interests to like an executive of a company who wants like 500 of these. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and I think like for the losers, like, I think, you know, we've seen this in the past over the last, I don't know, however long I've been in this. It's just like the constant thing. They, they try to do too many things. They, you know, they have to pivot. They run on money. Like, like right now, for instance, they might be doing like trying to do fully autonomous. I think right now is foolish. Like, I think, I think we're a few years away from fully autonomous. I think, you know, the move right now, also fully autonomous, you, you have to, if you have a fully autonomous solution, you can't just throw that into a Burger King and McDonald's. Like you have to like rebuild and rethink everything that goes into that Burger King and McDonald's. Like it has to be entirely new. You have to, you have to build a new store effectively, right? Like the, the stores that exist today aren't designed for fully autonomous solutions, right? So that's the, the reason why our engine team designed Alpha Grill to just, you know, to just be a grill. Right, so drop-in replacement as opposed to like exactly, having to yeah. retro, having to retrofit an entire store, which is something that I think Sweet Green is coming up against, and that's kind of I think is going to be the real test to their automation is can you actually get this in every single store without spending a ton of money renovating and you know busting yeah. down walls because it is a pretty chunky piece of automation what they've built um, versus yeah. you know what you're doing in, in Hyphen is more of a drop-in. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. But I, I think like, just do one thing, do it well, you know, move slow. And just, just don't rush it. And, and just like, be realistic. On that thread, I mean, like, how big is the how, how would you estimate the, the current TAM in those two markets of Korea and US for burgers for you guys? Yeah, uh, so like, uh, considering the market in the globally, we are trying to target and uh, think about the TAM as a QSR market, as uh, like uh, 200, like 1,000 QSR locations, and then about like uh, among the 900,000 uh, total restaurants in the U.S. And uh, we are uh, actually trying to, you know, tapping the QS market and start, but the, starting from the burger uh restaurants so specifically for the in the u.s there's a uh, 90,000 chain locations that offer the hamburgers so we are thinking that this is uh, one of uh we have a great chance and opportunity in this uh large market and uh we bring a great solution which is uh, already tested in the south korea which is even 
smaller, but uh, tech forward, and uh, they're very uh, friendly on like uh, testing a new types of uh, tech and the robotic solutions. So uh, I don't know how much you can say here, but I was also in your office, um, you know, a, a few weeks ago, and and saw some something that you're working on um, that can do more than just you know the patties. Can you can you share anything, GP, on kind of other potential use cases we're going to see from NEI? Yeah. So uh, actually, like uh, currently we've so so uh, like uh, Eric and. Uh, uh, the, you mentioned about uh, the success in this market. So our like go-to-market strategy is to start with the uh, very uh, cutting edge in the like kind of uh, starting from the niche markets. So this our uh, first product, the Alpha Grill, only focused on like cooking patties, but uh, we've also developed our own like a fully automated uh, burger making robots, and then it will. It has a like kind of um, developed as a modularized uh, system, so you can add any like uh, ingredients which can hold hold like uh, handle different types of uh, like uh, recipes and ingredients like uh, bun, patty, cheese, sauces. So at the in the near future, uh, we can you know present and introduce those of uh, called Alpha Kitchen, the fully butter. Uh, making robots in the market. Very interesting. Um, and then, as far as like uh, other things you could potentially cook on the grill, do you think um, it, it might be able to do? Oh, so right now it can do veggie burgers. I'm assuming it can do chicken patties as long as they're grilled. Uh, like, what what are the potential other use cases of just what you've already built beyond burgers? Yeah, bacon, onions. I mean, we really kind of present it as like burgers only but brands when they see it will say wow like what else can this cook from my menu and we end up doing within the poc like this week we're testing all types of crazy stuff like they just want they're like you know these patty hamburger patties are excellent could it do breakfast sausage like of course it can so now we just have to calibrate and program the recipe for that now they want to do like veggies and they're like, you know, if this can do everything, like why even have, because most brands will have the alpha grill and they'll have like kind of a, a smaller prep gr- grill next to it where they'll do like their bacon and their onions. And mm-hmm. they're like, if we could do everything and our bacon and onions are pre-cooked, why don't we just just use the alpha grill and just, you know, cook a whole batch early and mm-hmm. then keep it in a warming, Interesting. Uh, like a warming container. Right. And then can each each of these like four corners of the grill be set to different temperatures or is it just one temperature for the entire surface? One temperature for the entire surface. Got it. Got it. Um, all right, guys. Well, this has been really fascinating. I can, as we come towards the end, I'd love for you to, you know, each of you, I guess, starting with GP, you know, what do you think, you know, 10 years from now, we've made a lot of progress. We've, you know, um, gotten a lot of the, kind of awkwardness of food robotics out of the way from a customer and a back of house perspective, you know, what do you think this is going to look like when this becomes an appliance that we're used to? Oh, so, uh, for that, maybe in 10 years, I think that, uh, late this full service industries will be, uh, very uh, different. So when actually I and our, uh, co-founding team actually work in the, you know, restaurants, we realize that this is very um, tough and uh, really dangerous, actually. So we want to make this uh, as a very safe and clean and very healthy uh, environments. So in the in in maybe in ten years, I think the like uh, staff members in the restaurant working in the back of house, they can be like uh, working in like a semiconductor factory. It is very clean and uh, all the fumes or smoke can uh, directly go to the ventilation hood. So I think in 10 years, the working in the food service industry will be the one of a uh, you know, great job opportunity to do when the teenager are going to start their, uh, you know, try to do the first jobs. 
Interesting. And it'll be like unskilled labor, you, you know, kind of like what we've seen now with like sweet green. It, it doesn't require a lot of skill to just scoop, you know, a bunch of veggies into a bowl and, right. and smile. <laughs> right. And they, 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 they can just uh, focus more on the customer service with the great right. environments. Right. Yeah, but if you're 16 and you work at a fast food chain that has the Alpha Grill, you can put on your resume that you have experience with robotics and automation. <laughs> Eric, any other pred- predictions there from like a consumer and a back of house perspective? In 10 years, um, I know. I, I think I, I, I'm aligned with GP. I think in you know for QSR where speed tends to matter the most, we'll see more automation in the back of the house. So. Um, smaller teams being able to service the same number of guests or more with much less effort, but, you know, with more of a focus on, you know, on the guest experience at the front of the house. I think that's kind of like, we're kind of like a lot of the brands we're hearing from now is saying that this is like a pain point. And then, like I mentioned before, I think, I think we're still super early, even though everybody seems to be talking about this, like I think the current Alpha Grill, like it's our V1. I think this is the Ford Model A in 1903. Our V1.1, which is going to be released, uh, this is the one that we. Uh, this, this is why we did the raise um, was to build a manufacturing facility to meet demand for next year. Our next version is going to be released and available sometime, probably towards the end of Q2. I, you know, I think that'll be more like the Model T, hopefully. But I, I, I think like, I mean, this is, this is a prototype, right? Like we, we, you know, it's been out live, you know, making, you know, producing product for two years. We have a lot of feedback. We've made a lot of updates. We have a really talented team. So I'm really excited, you know, for the, for our next release and to just kind of continue on this path. You know, I kind of feel like, you know, we're helping kind of like push the industry forward through, you know, automation. I know there's, you know, a bunch of us, there's people focused on salads and chips, et cetera. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just bullish, bullish on the whole, the whole idea of robotics and automation. All right. Well said. Um, yeah, that makes sense. It's the alpha grill because we're still, we're not even in the beta period. It seems like, um, even though sometimes we can feel like it's a, it, we're in the mature stages of robotics. Um, it's a, it's a health, uh, helpful reminder. Me personally, I'm, I'm really interested in what automation can do to unlock further personalization because I think that it should uh, allow for a, a lot more, more customization for the customer and, you know, more precise, uh, kind of measurements of, of specific ingredients and ratios mm, of things. Mm. And I'm so also like interested, tying identity to like orders. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I do a lot of work in like looking at personalized nutrition and glucose regulation mm. and metabolism. And, you know, there's certain ratio of fats to carbs and protein, all these macronutrients that you could kind of nail a lot better if you're able to actually dial it in through automation. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the see, other, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask when you, when you were in Seoul, did you see the, um, like our prototype for the fully automated? You don't, you, you don't even have to put this on the podcast. I'm just like, yeah, no, I saw it. I didn't, I, it, they okay. never ran it for me, but yeah. Yeah. So, so that will eventually be kind of like what you're thinking, but what we'll, we'll either develop in house or we'll work with the brands to have an interface um, for the customer. So think of like, you know, like a bike kiosk, right? You go and you order and, you know, you can, you can select, um, the, you know, how, like, like how much ketchup you want, how many exactly. onions you want, you know what I mean? But yeah, that's exactly kind of like what, you know, GP and the team, um, was thinking it's going to be like super custom. It's not going to be like, give me a hamburger with, you know, lettuce and tomatoes. It's going to be, right. you, you pick, you know, you know, it's specific to you. And then thinking about a way to kind of um, repeat that experience without having to, cause like I'm trying to figure out a way, like if you go to Wendy's one day and how do we capture your order? Right. Probably through loyalty somehow. And somehow it ties into, you know, the, the hamburger maker. So you like input your 
phone number or something and it'll say like, oh, do you want the, the usual? And then you just hit the button. Yes, it's the POS, the KDS, goes right into our robot and then your hamburger comes out. Um, and then the fully autonomous model that we're building, when, when, the, uh, when the hamburger is completed, it's actually wrapped in paper. So the employee doesn't Very even cool. have to wrap it. It's like ready to go. So right. yeah, I think, I think we're like totally aligned on kind of what the future will look like. I, I love kind of how you're thinking about it too. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think also what you're, what you're touching on as far as wrapping it and bagging it, I think that's, you know, we were a lot of the companies I mentioned are doing that middle step, right? There's still humans that, you know, it starts with human hands and ends with human hands as, as according to sweet green. And I think, you know, the way trends are work, you know, going, especially here in California, where I am, we're not going to be able to afford as many human hands on, on either yeah, end of this. Yeah. So it's going to be end to end automated. Um, yeah. And that I might, mean, we, that might also impact the real estate too, you know, as far as like maybe less <laughs> front of house yeah, people. We, we've heard that too. We ha- we've had, we have one brand sprinting on this and it's like, they're like California, 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 because right. they know it's coming, right? Yeah, I'm not a fan of like the vending machine restaurant, but that's that's a topic for <laughs> another yeah. episode. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> even though it's QSR, it's hospitality, right? So yeah, you exactly. you're you're always going to have people. You always need you know uh, like a GM overseeing the place. You probably need. Yeah at least one person, maybe two in the kitchen and you want people in the front of the house. Right. So, yep. um, and like the, our strategy has basically been like, here's the alpha grill. Here's how it works. Like we'll show you how to use it and you're welcome to purchase one and we'll help you. But you know, whatever you want to do, it's your decision. Like yeah. if you, if you want to reallocate your labor, go ahead. If you want to reduce labor, go ahead. Right. Just don't, just don't do a PR release and mention us, please. Right. Very fascinating because I feel like the first iteration of these automation companies were very much about trying to use this as a consumer magnet um, value proposition. And I think consumers uh, yeah. either don't care or would be negatively impacted by that en masse uh, outside of the listeners of this podcast. Yeah, I know. I mean, I would do it because I'm a food nerd. <laughs> I'm a food nerd <laughs> like you are, but like at the end of the day, like I'm not going to go to Colonel if the food isn't good. Right. Right. Like yeah. what's like, I'm going to go one time and I probably won't go ever go back, but I I'm probably going to go just one time. So they might get that initial <laughs> rush of people, but then it's, it's like, okay, how do you create frequency? Right. And I'm not so sure that, you know, I'm like, I, I you know, Steve Ells, he's probably like a lot, more intelligent than I am, but you know, I'm not sure that that's super replicable. Like who knows? I mean, time will tell, but you know, it, it, it seems and feels a little like gimmicky. Um, and it, it, it almost feels like you were mentioning earlier, like kind of a marketing ploy to get people in. But the question becomes like, how do you get them in return? Is the food good? So yeah, I think that's everyone's KPI in this industry. Yeah, I'm I'm following along closely at that one uh, in particular to just see okay, what is the front end going to look like? Because we know the back end works generally. And there's an arm in there too. So a buddy of mine, yeah, yeah, a buddy a buddy of mine invited me to the friends and family, but I couldn't I couldn't make it. Um, He said it was interesting, but when you come to New York next, like we like the three of us should go there to check it out. But you know. I don't even know. Like I talked to OSHA a couple, like a month or so ago. And I was asking about like their stance on robotics and they were like, well, it's like TBD. Like we don't know yet. And I'm like, well, you don't have a position on like this big ass <laughs> arm in the middle of the kitchen. Like, and also like, a, you know, cooking French fries boil in grease with employees walking around. Like what if the thing goes like haywire and just starts throwing <laughs> mouth, you know what I mean? Throwing oil at people. Like, Really? You haven't thought about this? But, um, uh, <laughs> um, all right. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I think we covered a lot of territory here. Um, thank you both. So I'd love for you to just uh, spend some time uh, telling people listening to this podcast where they can learn more about Alpha Grill, uh, I guess mostly restaurateurs. And then if you have any North American 
job openings. Um, you know, you can also promote that too. Now's your time. So I'm glad to, you know, have the present about a lot for good NEI. And uh, actually, uh, we, the, the, the reason of like uh, the robotic system can be used in the kitchen is for satisfying the customers, employees, and the owners, the restaurant owners. So I think our robotic solution can, you know, give a great chance to satisfy the customers like uh, with the, you know, consistent quality and the more personalized uh, the recipes and also for the safe and uh, cleaning, you know, cleaner uh, backup operation in the kitchen and also for the more, you know, addressing the labor shortage issue for the restaurant owners. And I definitely sure that our Alpha Girl and uh, NEI can give them a great opportunity or some solutions to their problems. And then uh, actually we've uh, started uh, our own, you know, office in the New York City and then we've uh, tried to make a kind of a sales and marketing team operation team and the field service engineering to team to install and uh, do the like troubleshooting for the you know national wide in the US so i think uh, someone who are in the same you know steps with and then align with our visions and we are definitely sure and then we are open to discuss about more in detail so i i hope to all the you know you know the the someone who listened this uh, great podcast, and we are happy and uh, every time open to the conversation. Um, how can people get in touch, uh, Eric? If if we have brands listening or people who want to work with you guys, what's the best way to learn more? Uh, LinkedIn, NEI, A N I A I. We have sales at anei.ai, or if you want to contact me directly, h-a-n-s-e-n at anei.ai. Okay, what about your website? anei.ai. Okay, great. Um, Okay, that should do it. Thank you guys uh, both so much, and um, wishing you the best of luck. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get together soon. Do another Asia trip. <laughs> Thank you for your time, and it's, it was a pleasure to, you know, to conversation, do the conversation about the robotic industry. And then, I, when when he had a you know previous uh, meeting with Matt, it was uh, you know surprised to have a like a huge insights in this robotic industry. So I I want to keep in touch and then talk about more about the robotics in the the future of uh, kitchens. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're curious to get a firsthand look at the cutting edge of food and tech, check out Hungry.tv. That's Hungry with No You, where you can join in on live conversations like these or sign up for the free weekly newsletter. 